Before all of this, we still had stories. Heroes. Those who stood out amongst their brethren, beacons as bright as stars. You'll hear their once-in-a-lifetime, one-in-a-million. This is a lie. They can be found in the most ordinary of places. Even when the world itself is at its most extraordinary. Heroism is deep within us all. And deep within the bones of the land. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, students. Settle down, please. Settle. Now, I'm sure you're pondering the purpose of today's lecture. Whilst the majority of our classes tend to focus on exploration and invention, or should I say, re-exploration and re-invention, today we are going to look back. Far, far back. So far back, I almost feel it apt to begin with a once upon a time. Once upon a time, we were hunters and gatherers. Whilst, of course, since the Great Awakening, our knowledge has been limited to what could be sourced from the physical texts within the city's libraries, there are some inferences that can be made. The first, of course, being that my role, our role, within these old communities, would have potentially been one of value. We were aware, constantly aware, of the world around us, whether that be through our swift mind or our attentive eyes. Predators were easier to spot, edible fruit more easily identified. These traits, these differences in the electrical signals spasming through our minds, were invaluable to our survival. Then, of course, things changed somewhat. The development of farming communities led to a decline in our importance. Again, I must stress, due to our lack of history, interpretations can only be made. Some of us became fey. Changeling children with large, unblinking eyes and a reluctance to speak. The prominence of ancient religions at this time led to a, for lack of a better word, distrust. We were limited in our efforts to become what their god intended, and thus we were undesirable. We were not discussed. We were not considered. These were our dark ages. And our re-emergence from this night was not a merry one. Over a thousand years ago, we were identified once more by those who thought us a fascinating subject, a disorder, an inability, something that once made us valuable, that allowed us to save lives, now hindered not only our existence, but from the perspective of others, any inherent value we may contain. They have forgotten the sweetness of the berries and the roar of the beast. They no longer needed us, or so they thought. 
until the change. I do not remember the old world, but I was born into it. And my parents, you of course will better know them as the founders of this place, realized their duty. This graveyard of a city was once the shining jewel of our island. And as they concluded their weeks-long journey, they found it. Nearly abandoned, more flora than urban, fauna too, new creations roamed the streets as the long dormant battle for dominance over the food chain resumed. You recall the beginning of my lecture. Once more, the natural state of my parents proved useful as sustenance was sourced and bestial danger avoided. The largest library became their eventual base of operations. One would defend our new home and my infant self as the other excavated additional locations. Once all knowledge in the immediate vicinity had been gathered, and I was now a decade old, our attention turned toward maintenance. Paper may have persisted, but much like our bodies, it can rot. In truth, some of the texts recovered that required such specifics as temperature and humidity to hold them in stasis had crumbled before we were able to copy what knowledge was held inside. This practice was how I learned to read and write. Some of you may be aware that specific schools were developed for some of us, who found the traditional instructional method to be frustratingly complex and yet simultaneously ridiculously restrictive. Watching my swift progress and recognizing their own newfound abilities, my parents conceived of a new facet of their project. I'm speaking, of course, of the very institute of which you are now a part. Ex diversis, fontibus, ex cogitatio, from difference springs innovation. Those words are in a language I believe is no longer spoken, that many in our world will not know ever existed. This is the library. Our duty is to retrieve and maintain as much knowledge left from the old world as possible. Each of you is particularly skilled in a multitude of forms. Some may excel in the retrieval missions, defending your team from the beasts which roam the streets, noticing danger before it appears. You may find your strengths in copying, cataloging, and analyzing any new information captured. Others may take pleasure in sorting the knowledge, and even more still in developing new forms of maintaining the text condition, designing new weaponry, or an invention of new forms of informational storage. We have not yet redeveloped electronic machinery, but who knows? One of you may be able to. Wherever it is that your strengths lie, know that your difference and skill is not only valued, but required. We think differently. This is an asset. The old way of thinking may have succeeded for others, but it failed us. And its inability to adapt, its fragility, eventually failed the world. This was their history, and it was also ours. Now, the library has empty shelves. Will you help me fill them?
Gather round. Gather round. It's time to begin. Now, which one of you wants to go first? I'll go first. I don't have too much to boast about c compared to the others. Nonsense, Rose! Nonsense! Everybody knows you are the fairest in the village. Hardly compared to... And you've long been the favourite of the Mother of Spring herself. Every year since you've been children, she's picked you to be the first one who plants the flower seeds in the Holy Garden. And every year it's bloomed so beautifully. And without you, who knows how we could have acquired the blessings for our fields? And who could have healed the most serious ailments of our fruits? I deserve very little credit for the mother's work. But if I am, as you say, the reason for all of this, wouldn't it make more sense for me to stay here and continue that work? Yes. Yes, our village may require my assistance too much because of a favour I've curried. I'm not the right choice for this. Indeed, child. We did discuss this issue at the meeting the other day, but we considered that we may consult with the mother through you and see if she may spare you. But given the urgency of the task at hand, I suspect it will not be a problem. Another priestess can carry out your duties. I understand what you are saying, Mr. Kind, but I feel that I'm unworthy. I'm small and very sickly. Not as sickly as my Jeremy. And I do not believe I could survive such a long journey. God's blessing. Not that I mean to doubt their power. Or not. Let someone else take the laurels. I will be more useful staying here and tending to the gardens and the people. Very well, Rose. Thank you for your testimony. Next. Madam, where is your son? Oh, sir, he has been in bed ever since we got the notice. Sickly with fear and something else. Rose, you really should come along one of these days to check up on him. And I feel he is entirely ill-suited to this venture. I understand your concerns, madam. But fear means very little in these times. And Jeremy, despite his current anxiety, is still the best fighter we have. None of us older folk can lift up a rock enough to get a cart from under it, or wield a sword we've smithed ourselves with any kind of competence, or possess the kind of selfless recklessness that leads us to volunteer ourselves for a mission like this, even after we've been summoned. When... when was that? Two days ago, madam. He found me at the market at sunrise, told me he had to wait for you to go out for water before he dared go and search for me and affirmed his decision to go with such conviction that I am rather surprised to hear that he has apparently been sick with fear these past few days. If this is all you have to say for your son, then let us... Indeed, it is not. My son should stay here precisely because he is so brash and strong, sir. Consider all the good he can do for the village once his blacksmith apprenticeship finishes. Think of how many men we lack to plough our fields. Not that we women can't do that. If need arises, we will. But my son could well do five or ten or a hundred times the work that these young ladies here may. Not to mention that his temperament is ill-suited to adventures. Why, he will jump at the first sign of danger instead of running like a cleverer man might. And then the vessel will never reach its destination. Indeed, it would be disastrous for all of us if he were to be sent. Right, I see. And really, I do not see why we are still discussing this. You would think that the person who received the vision warning us of the pilgrimage would be the ideal candidate to undertake it. Or is it simply that you would rather protect your own child, sir? Madam, 
I hardly think you could blame my father for the sentiment, but even without it, I am not the ideal candidate. True, I had a vision. As you always have, ever since you were little. And to what? As I have many times before, and I believe the veracity has been proven enough. Or should we recount the incident with Ferd's cart, or that time your son got stuck in the mountains? But what the Sovereign of the Sky asked of me was essentially a hero, and I could not consider myself such. I am neither brave nor strong enough to undertake such a journey alone, though I may just be clever enough, as you'd put it, to try and run at the first sign of danger and hide, and maybe attempt to weave an illusion strong enough to save me. Your proficiency in magic is not nearly great enough to compensate for my deficiency in everything else. What do you propose we do, then? Have one of us older folks take in the sun of the sky and attempt the journey to the other side of the land? If none of you can do it, then surely neither can any of us. Which is why I would like to return to my original proposal from a few days ago, that we go as a group, the three of us, so that... The gods requested only one person, child. Do you dare go against them? And do you forget what happened to the last adventuring party we had? What happened last time was a tragedy, to be sure, but we cannot let the demands of the present be dictated by the failures of the past. We are not those people. And the gods requested that one vessel go on the mission, madam, without specifying whether they may be accompanied or not. One of us can be the vessel, but that doesn't mean we can't. And do you still propose yourself to do the honours, then? You would not be a hero, but you would be a protected person. A precious cargo to be transported safely by your peers. Oh, I see now. I see. Madam, be careful what you... Careful? Why should I be careful or caring, if I may ask? Upon my honour, your daughter is a snake. And has been since she was a little child. Even then she played tricks and fooled all the other kids into their own embarrassment. And ever since she received her first vision, and the woods whispered to her to try and tame them, she's been reading night and day to master the elements and then master us all. I do not see why I should hold my tongue in the face of such insolence if nobody else is willing to step forward and point it out. So go on then, Kim. If you are so great and a chosen of the gods, why not just go on your own? I could not. No, my dear, you will not. No, madam, indeed she cannot. For we have been engaged since this dawn. <sighs> what? A pact, sealed with two bracelets made of cranesbill, oxlip, and marigold. What? So, you see, neither of us can live if the other perishes. If we must, I would rather we do so together than apart. I am not letting her go alone, and if only the two of us go, we're sure to die. I apologize if any of my actions in the past have done anything to hurt you or anybody else in this room, madam. But even if they have, nobody wins if Rose and I settle for alone and die. I can make guesses as to what that would mean emotionally for the older folks, as you've put it, whether our families or you or anybody else in this room, but I will not. That aside, though, the gods are unlikely to be too pleased with the village if the mission fails. You know the stories your great-grandparents told you about the decade of storms better than we do. You can judge their wrath better. I think I am not alone in saying that we would rather neither relive nor remember, aside from whenever we need to humble ourselves before the gods, what that decade was like. We have learned our lesson of unity since then. Let us not make the same mistake. And what? Send three children to die instead of one? Madam, somebody needs to go. We have no way out of this. And as of you've said, none of you can. 
One or two people with similar skill sets may be a suicide, but a healer, a fighter, and a wizard? It's as in the legends. These legends are as old as time, Rose. The newest ones were mostly stories people told each other. Adventuring was not a popular hobby when the whole world was within reach. And our ancestors were far more cautious than we are. They have a choice, though. We don't. Heroes generally don't, I reckon. Hear, hear! Let me remind you again that we have had chosen people venture to the outside for missions. And that even if they didn't die outside, they returned worse for wear and with it themselves and our foundations. And you admitted already that you couldn't be a hero. What makes you think you'll end up any differently than them? I could not be a hero alone, madam. And it's not about my pride or my own self-fixation. It's about duty. And because it is about duty, we need to have hope that we will do better. We need to believe it. We are lost without it. So, it is decided then? The three of us, with Jeremy, will go? Go and make your preparations. I'll tell him. Thank you, madam. I would rather not receive thanks for this, child. Well, that was... Careful, Kim. Be grateful for this, for what it's worth. Both of you. We are, Your Honor. We are. Is your engagement... It is. We didn't lie about it. All right. Good. Congratulations. I wish I'd been informed before this, but... Very well. I believe I see your parents waving you over, Rose. Let's all go. I haven't told them about it yet. All right. Yes, thanks. The bulk of the tent's packed up now. Have you two managed to fit everything else? Are your bags light enough? I can squeeze in something more if needed. I'm good, thanks. Me as well. Good. Good. So, how are your families taking this? With zero threats of house arrest, fortunately. Kim! And no 15-hour lectures on diplomatic bullshit on my side. Or something, fortunately. <laughs> Jeremy! No, no, let him. <laughs> I hope you're not both going to be like this the entire time. Scared out of our wits and masking it with humor. Sorry, can't promise that. Speak for yourself. I've never been afraid of anything. Really? Not even now? No. Well, that is all the more worrisome then. Are you all ready to leave? I think so. Yes? Yes. Yep. Good. Good. Dad, come here. And you too, my sweet, sweet boy. Rose, you're welcome here as well. I'm sorry your parents couldn't come. Thank you. We said our goodbyes earlier. It's alright. Okay. Well, no use delaying this any further, lest both me and the madam turn into stones and ground you with us. Sounds kind of nice. I don't know. <laughs> goodbye, kids. Be safe. We'll do our best. We will be. Goodbye. Kim, how long is this supposed to take again? Ideally, a year. Honestly, as much as it does.
To Mourn was directed by Amelia Chisholm. It was a Mount Pleasant and Better Pictures production. The lecturer was played by Nathan Jones. Sound effects were supplied by BBC Sound Effects. Dawn, Ugly and Untrue was written and directed by Stasi Dimitrova. It was a Mount Pleasant and Better Pictures production. Judge Kind was played by Nate Jones. Rose was played by Liv Powell. Jeremy's mother was played by Chloe Elliott. Kim was played by Stasi Dimitrova. Jeremy was played by Logan Arneson. Our theme music was supplied by Chloe Elliott. You can support Bones of the Land by following us on Twitter at Bones of the Land.